are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I am Pastor Timmy Riggs, and I'm always so privileged when Pastor Rick uh, allows me to chat with you, help dive into Scripture a little bit, and so that's what we're excited to do today. First, happy Memorial Day weekend, and uh, stay tuned. At the end of the sermon, we will have a little video just honoring all those that have gone before us. Hey, we have been going through a new series. We're in week three of Can't Go Back. Pastor Rick started it, and uh, he helped us look at Stephen and Paul. And basically, we're kind of focusing on this idea of people who have kind of had this encounter with Jesus where it's like, hey, this is what my life looked like before, but now I'm moving forward. I'm not going to go back to the way that I was doing things. It might not even have been bad, but now I'm so focused on Jesus that I have a that I want to live into. Paul was the type of guy, I mean, he was. He did a full 180 flip, and so we know there is hope for everybody. He went from killing Christians to building Christians. And so that's what's so exciting about this series. Today, we're going to look at the Ascension. It's Ascension Sunday, and it's a time where Jesus, after his resurrection, after 40 days, ascends to be with the Father in heaven. We're going to get a deeper understanding of what that means. If you're like me, maybe it's a passage that you've just kind of skipped over. So I'm hoping that today God's Spirit can help reveal a little bit of what's really going on in it. So in Acts, that's where we're going to be, Acts 1, 6 through 14. Let me break it down. Luke is the writer, of course, of the Gospel of Luke, but he's also the writer of Acts. And so we see the first five verses in Acts are him kind of saying, hey, Jesus had his life, his death, his resurrection. He suffered for us. He came out, he beat death. He came out the other side. And for 40 days after his resurrection, he showed up to his followers and he was proving, hey, it's me. Touch me. I'm going to eat with you. I'm going to drink with you. I'm going to walk and talk with you. And people are like, oh my gosh, he did it. He did it. And then he gets his 11 together and all along, he's been preaching the same gospel that he always preached, the one that is all about God's kingdom breaking into earth. So now he's with the disciples, and he says, hey, you guys remember John? He baptized with water. I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Essentially, guys, now we're not going back. We can't go back. We have a new mission, and I'm going to give you guys something. So let's dive in to Acts 1, 6 through 14, if you'll read it with me. I know maybe you've warmed up your coffee in the uh, microwave, your kids are doing cartwheels in front of you, whatever, that's fine. Let's just, let's go through the scripture together, okay? It says this, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, look, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power. You can't say that other than power, right? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all, in all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud, hone in on that, a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up, as you would be, into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. 
then the apostles, and Luke tells us in his gospel, they were filled with joy at this point. They returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, always the line leader, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, a different Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. That is, there is a lot for us to unpack, but there is some incredible stuff there that really I'm hoping that God will kind of deepen our understanding of it today. Well, there we go. Good practice of the intro. Chance, maybe. Is it my face? I don't think that this mic was plugged in all the way. Anything I should do different? Yeah, I forgot. Okay, so right after I say I love these people, I'll switch. Check, check, one, two. One, two, and then, and then, and boom, and the gospel, blah, blah. <laughs> okay. All right, so, and here's the thing. We can direct your attention over, because once we put that camera live, it'll go red. So yeah, it, once I saw the red, it, okay. that's when I switched, when she switched okay it. We can get it to you there earlier. Yeah, so I'll talk about them, and then I'll jump to Memorial, and as I jump to that, I'll... Family. We miss being with you guys. But we're excited to worship with you online. See you soon. I miss you people. And in a few weeks on June the 7th, my birthday, uh, we're going to be able to be together again. It's going to be a, a good a good time to be together. And But I pray for today as Harlan and Chad uh, bring the music and Timmy Riggs brings the message that you would have a blessed weekend and a blessed day. Wow, I love every person in that video. It almost brought me to tears. I'm so excited for the day that we get to be together again. And even if I don't get to hug you or high five you, I at least get to see you face to face. I'm Pastor Timmy Riggs, and uh, I'm always privileged when Pastor Rick gives me the ability to kind of step in and chat with you guys today. And uh, first, I just want to say happy Memorial Day weekend. Make sure that you stay tuned at the end of the sermon. We've got a uh, Memorial Day video. We just want to honor all all those that have gone before us. Okay, hey, let's dive in. We have been going over a new series. Pastor Rick started a new series with us about two weeks ago 
called Can't Go Back. And basically, it's kind of around this idea that, uh, you know, COVID-19 has hit, and there's some things that some of us has dropped off and started new, right? And we're kind of saying, hey, even when life maybe gets a little bit normal again, I want to I keep doing life the way I'm doing it now. I don't want to go back to the way I was before. Maybe you're taking a lot of walks. Maybe you're doing a lot more cooking, things that you're like, I, I like this, right? Spiritually, we have been looking at two guys, Stephen and Paul, who when they encountered Jesus, their life changed forever, truly. Their vocation, their mission, the way that they spoke, everything about them was dedicated to Jesus and helping others come to know him. Paul, in fact, did a full 180. He went from killing Christians to building Christians, right? And so we're seeing that these are people that when they truly met God, They didn't go back to the way life was. And that's kind of what we want to focus on. And really about this idea of, hey, it's all about sharing Jesus with people. Uh, Today, we're going to look at the Ascension Scripture, okay? And so after Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, there's a period of time where he ascends, actually, to be with the Father in heaven. That's the Scripture that we're going to look at, that we're going to unpack. If you're like me, maybe it's something that you haven't spent a lot of time on. But even in my preparation, I begin to realize, oh my goodness, this is pivotal. This is a huge, important event for our Christian life and for God's kingdom breaking in, okay? So Luke is the writer of the Gospel of Luke, of course, but he's also the writer of Acts. And so he's going to get us to this verse that we're going to jump into at verse 6. But let me explain verses 1 through 5 real quick. First off, he's telling us, hey, Jesus suffered. Again, his life, death, resurrection, it is all pointing toward God's, God's kingdom breaking in, right? And so for 40 days after his resurrection, he showed up to his followers. He wanted them to know that, hey, I'm the real deal. Here I am. You can touch me. You can talk with me. You can have a bite to eat with me. Here I am. And he was preaching the same consistent message that he always was before. The kingdom of God is near. It's here and it's breaking in. Okay. So he gathers his disciples on the 40th day. And he says, after his resurrection, he says, here's the deal. You guys remember John, right? John the Baptist. He baptized with water. I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, all right? So that's where we leave off, and we're going to dive in to Acts 1, verse 6. I know maybe you had to warm up your coffee in the microwave. Maybe your kids or grandkids are doing cartwheels in the living room. That is fine. Let's just dive into the passage together, okay? Here we go. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud, hone in on that, a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, always the line leader, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, a different Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, 
along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Great passage, a lot for us to dive into and to understand, and I'm believing that God's going to reveal some things, so will you pray with me real quick? God, we're thankful for this morning. We're thankful for the life, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus. It means so much. We thank you for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, I remember October 10th, 2015. It feels like yesterday. My wife's in the room. I hope she's proud of me because that is our anniversary. That's our wedding date, right? I remembered it. I remember how exciting it is, right? Because that's the day I wake up, you know, and you're like, dude, my life is going to change. It's going to be different. In fact, I'm not going to go back to the way life was. Up until that point, I was drinking Mountain Dew, eating pizza, and playing video games till 2 a.m. Now, that was definitely going to change, right? On that day, I'm getting dressed up on my best, and I get to look outside and see all my friends are working to make the event happen, and I'm just chilling, right? And then it gets to the time, the hour that, okay, my bride's going to walk down the aisle. We're going to do this ceremony. We're going to make the promise to each other that, hey, it's you and me. We're going to ride or die forever together. We're going to let God be the captain of our marriage. And then we, you know, kiss. I lay a big smacker on her. And then afterwards, we sign the certificate. Boom, we are married, right? And we usually end up throwing a big party. And that's it. Like, that was it. That marked the beginning of our marriage. I remember in the week leading up to it, we were in our premarital counseling, and uh, I was talking to the counselor, and I was like, here's what I want out of counseling. And he's like, what? <laughs> but I was like, I just want the strength, the fortitude, the friendship, the bond, the, the love of a 40-year marriage, but I want it right away. And the counselor and Emma almost simultaneously began to laugh at me and then said kind of in unison, yeah, well, Tim... That takes 40 years, right? And, and it's true. It, it takes time. The, the wedding day is so crucial, but then it's time to live into the marriage. I've never once had someone come ask me for marriage advice, and I just say, well, here's the deal. You want to get the nicest suit, okay? And then you want to write some really poetic vows to each other. You want to kiss. You want to sign a certificate. Boom, that's all you need to know. They'd be like, uh, that's not a tip. And I'd be like, well, what do you mean? So, right? What are we missing? Well, the wedding, the ceremony, the vows, crucial. In fact, however you do it, you can't have a lifelong marriage without that moment. It marks the beginning of something, right? But it's not the end. I even remember even coming back from the honeymoon just being like, oh, I guess, I guess now it's time to live into this thing, right? I think there's a couple other illustrations you can think of. It's even when you find out that Maybe you're pregnant and, and you find out your wife's pregnant and you're like, oh my goodness, this is incredible. And you're kind of like, we're parents, right? And it's like, well, yeah, but, but now it's the whole process of the birth and then it's raising the child, right? It's not, that's not just it. Or it's when you graduate, we've been selling, gra celebrating graduates. And so it's like, you have your diploma, whether it's high school or college, but that's not like, life's not over. Like now there's something to do with it, right? I think for us in our faith, Sometimes it can even, uh, we might have to remind ourselves, like, you know, at some point I realized, hey, Jesus is the real deal. I want to repent. That is to say, I want to switch my life from going this way to going God's way. I want to lean into Jesus. I believe that what he did for me allows me to live life with him forever. And so I want to turn to him. And what an exciting day it is. We literally celebrate when someone says, hey, I've decided to follow Jesus. That is a huge deal. But maybe after the conference or after camp or even after a really great Sunday morning worship experience, 
what happens? Monday shows up, and we're kind of like, oh, yeah, now, now it's time to live into that. I want to talk about the ascension in the way that it's kind of like a wedding day. It is the union where God's reality and our reality is coming together, but that's not the end. So let's kind of continue to talk about what's happening with the disciples, with Jesus, and the kingdom of God. First of all, we saw right off the bat, the disciples are still kind of thinking about what's right in front of them. They're like, Jesus, you showed up talking about God's kingdom. And and we understand historically, you're talking about restoring Israel. We're God's chosen people. Now's the time. We're going to go in. We're going to kick out Rome. We were following you. We were all about it. Then you got killed and we were pretty much like, oh, well, there goes our hope. And then you you came back to life. It was pretty incredible. Um, But then, you know, we're still kind of waiting. Some of us have even gone back to doing some of our jobs that we were doing before. And you're still talking about the kingdom of God. So is now the time you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus looks at him, and, and I really believe, he, he, he always kind of corrects us gently, right? And he just kind of says to them, hey guys, you know, let's remember God's ways are above your ways. God's thoughts are above your thoughts. You're kind of thinking too small. I don't want you to focus on that. It's not for you to know. In fact, I'm going to tell you something even better more encouraging. And that is, I'm going to send you power. I'm going to give you the same power that God has given me. I I want you to live life with the way that I live life. And from that power, I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to begin to continue to share what I was sharing the whole time. God's kingdom is breaking in, that I became sin for those that that couldn't do what I could do so that everybody could share in the eternity with God forever. I want you to bear witness to that. I want you to be my heralds. I want you to tell the message. And so as he's saying this, all of a sudden, he begins to lift up before their very eyes. And that's the part where, I mean, usually I'm like, let me skip through that, and let me just continue to talk about what happens in the rest of the book of Acts. But it's crucial that we understand what's going on. So as the disciples are standing there, Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you something. And, and then I'm also going to charge you with a job to live into. He be, begins to be covered by a cloud. This is really important because when we begin to think about moments throughout scripture, when a cloud shows up, we recognize that usually it's symbolic for God's presence. Let's look at Matthew 17:5. Okay. This is a transfiguration moment where Jesus takes Peter, James, and John with him, where he has this meeting with Moses and Elijah. And all of a sudden this happens. While he, Jesus, was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. The cloud is representative of the fact that Jesus has done what he came to do. God is glorifying him up. And right now God is saying, hey, I am proud. I am pleased. Jesus fulfilled what no one else can fulfill. God is present in this moment. And then let's look further. Something that probably would have been on the minds of the apostles in this moment. And we look at Daniel 7. And it says this, There before me was one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven, He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not pass away. 
in this moment of Jesus' ascension, A, God is present. He is with him. He's saying, I'm so proud of Jesus. He did what only he could do. And also, Jesus is being enthroned as king. The ascension is the beginning of the completion of God's kingdom coming in totality. It is in this moment that God is saying, hey, Jesus is the king. Everybody will bow to his kingdom. Nobody can stop it. It's going to keep breaking in. What else is really, really cool is that we see that these two guys show up. They say, hey, you see that Jesus has gone into heaven. And I think that sometimes we can be like the disciples here and we can maybe ask questions that aren't always the point, right? Like you're kind of like, okay, Jesus is being lifted up. Does that mean he's just right above the hemisphere? Is he in Mars? What's going on? Throughout scripture, heaven and earth are always spoken about as God's two halves of his created whole world. Heaven being the reality in which he dwells, all of his glory, all of his sufficiency. Earth being his creation, where we, his creation, live and dwell. And he was given us, he gave us dominion over leading his creation. In this moment, Jesus is doing what no one else could have done. Okay, God is the only one that can restore the relationship between heaven and earth. And before, God had a plan, right? But because of sin and because of our shortcomings, we, it was separated. And right now, heaven and earth stand separated. But because of Jesus and because of the ascension, Jesus becomes our bridge. And now, when we talk about things like thin places, like, man, I was there. I, was, I went on that mission trip, and I'm telling you, God was present. He is working. Or, man, I was in the hospital. We were praying. We were singing. We were worshiping. Healings were happening. Those thin places, those moments are all because of Jesus. We don't get them without the ascension. The ascension is the beginning. It's like a wedding day, and now we get to live into it. It is always about Jesus. And so the disciples are standing there, and I've got to believe they're starting to pick up on this. It's, oh my goodness, God is here. His glory is here. Jesus Jesus has done it. He's being enthroned as king. Heaven and earth are now bridged together because of Jesus. And, and there's one day going to be this fullness where they're completely one. But right now, Jesus is the bridge between them. But they're still kind of just standing there. And God sends kind of a reminder. These two men dressed in white say, hey, fellas, wh- what are you doing? Didn't Jesus give you a charge? Didn't he say, I'm going to give you power and I want you to be my witnesses? And Luke in his gospel says that they're kind of jolted like, yes, that's right. And they leave to go back to Jerusalem with joy in their heart. When I was reading this and, and prepping this week, I'll be honest, I, I kind of felt a little convicted. I, I kind of felt like, man, how often do I find myself fully believing that God is God, having total trust in who Jesus is, but sometimes just standing around, just waiting, looking up and like, hey, God, whenever, whenever you want to use me, you know, whatever you have for me to do, I'll, you say the word and I'll go. And instead, God is just kind of reminding me, what are you waiting for? I've already prepared you. You're positioned in a way to go and be my witness. So I don't know where you're at, okay? I want to speak to those who are maybe having that same feeling as me. What are you waiting for? God has already put it into you. He's already given you the charge. If you believe, it is time for us to get moving. Now is maybe a good time, right? A lot of people are scared. A lot of people have fear and anxiety in their life. They're losing jobs. They're losing loved ones. Some of us are going through that same 
same experience. What are we waiting for? There are conversations to be had, relationships to start. There are books to be written, podcasts to start, videos to be shot, right? Injustices to be fought, uh, mission fields to be expanded. There are so many things that God is like, it's already ready. Just get moving. What are we waiting for? It is time for us to get going. God has done it. Jesus is king. His kingdom is breaking in. So with that, Let's just look closely at what that means. Because sometimes you go, hey, that's good, Tim. That's, I'm excited, you know. That's Jesus' kingdom. But then you're like, but what does that really mean? You know, when someone loses their job, maybe loses a loved one, is sick themselves, me just saying the kingdom of God is breaking in is kind of like, hmm, yeah, thanks, appreciate that. But what, what do we mean? Jesus' kingdom, and it'll never be stopped. It's, it's everlasting. No one can slow it down. It, it's not uh, stuck to borders. It's not stuck to capital rooms. It's, it's not stuck into, by national borders. It's, it's expanding and it'll never stop. What are we talking about? Well, I love how Paul puts it. In Romans fourteen seventeen. he says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. What he's talking about here is the Levitical law. It's, it's not about do's and don'ts. Being a Christian was never about, oh, what, what are you wearing? What are you not wearing, right? Are you eating pork or are you not? That's not the point. His point is, hey, the kingdom of God, it's a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, is poured out on us. And next week we'll see the disciples is poured out, of them, out on them in Pentecost. But Paul's saying, look, the kingdom of God, it's not about the do's and don'ts. It's about Jesus. What does that mean? Righteousness. The kingdom of God is about righteousness. Righteousness is all about being right with God. Completion. Holiness. Something that for thousands of years humans tried to do on their own by following certain codes, expectations, standards, and they couldn't do it. They kept falling short. So Jesus is the only one that can make it happen. The sin that separated us from God, Jesus took on himself. In Corinthians, it says, He who knew no sin became sin so that we might be the righteousness of God. The kingdom of God is not about me working harder, pulling my bootstraps up. It's about leaning in to what Jesus has already done. There's another scripture that says we are hidden in Christ. That means when God looks at me and I have faith that Jesus is is all in all, that God sees Jesus because I'm standing behind him. He's leading me. Now, righteousness is a position. And out of that, we get the emotional state of peace and joy. Peace and joy is not just given to us by our circumstance. It's not when there's no war and the stock market's looking good, I have a job, and I'm not sick, that then are the times that I can be full of peace and full of joy. No, in Jesus' kingdom, when we stand positioned behind Jesus' righteousness, out of that position comes peace and joy, a contentment that truly we don't always understand, a joy, an expectation, an excitement that God is breaking in, even when to everybody else it looks like all hell is breaking loose. God's kingdom will not be stopped. And it's not about us trying to do better, trying to stick up for God and be his lawyer. It's actually all about leaning into Jesus, the king, the one who will reign forever. That is the bridge between heaven and earth. And one day they'll collide. But right now, when we lean in to the king's reign of righteousness, peace, 
and joy. We see those thin moments that take place. In Romans 14, 18, I don't have it on the screen, but it continues on. It says, when we serve Christ like this, ultimately just leaning in to what he's done, God is pleased. He, he, he's excited. He's like, yes, he's rooting for us. And you'll be approved by men. What's that mean? Well, people will be impressed by it. We talk about it, but it's so true that when we live this life, it's a life of consistency, right? It's, it's hey, I know that you lost your job. Your uncle passed away from the virus. Your dog ran away. It really doesn't get much worse. But I know you've been sad and you have moments where you're down a little bit, but man, you just seem so consistent. You just seem like you're constantly moving forward that you trust that there's something bigger happening. And this happens. People question it. They wonder. They're impressed. And that's the opportunity where we get to be witnesses. We get to bear to the fact that, hey, I believe that one day heaven and earth are going to be one. There will be a new heaven and earth completely interlocked. And right now God breaks in and we can see his kingdom. And when we lean into Jesus, man, it's a, it's a life of wholeness. And there's just a peace and a joy that overcomes my life. I can't always explain it, but it's there. That's what it means to, to bear witness, to lean into God's kingdom. The ascension is the mark of his kingdom coming in completion. One day it will happen, but right now it's already here. I'm about to land the plane. I know you're probably like, man, Timmy's been screaming at us this whole time. I really believe it. I'm passionate about it. I'm excited. This week has pumped me up. I feel like God has showed me, man, like what, what, what am I doing? It's, it's not about me, you know, getting more zeros in my bank account. It's easy for me to fall into that. It's not about impressing people with just my devotion. It's literally about helping people see that no matter what it is, know how high the waves get, how hard the wind pushes back, we're in a boat that can handle it. And it's not up to me to make sure it happens. It's just Jesus. So I want to speak directly to this. There's a lot of times in my life where I feel like I'm not good enough for it, you know? Like I just, man, if you really knew me, like... I got a lot of my own struggles, right? I'm, I'm trying to be more like Jesus, and often it seems like I do the opposite of that. And, and I know there's a lot of you that maybe are like, yeah, that's me. And, and, I, and because of that, you maybe feel a little bit paralyzed, like I really, I really shouldn't be a witness. I shouldn't be talking about it for two reasons. One, I don't want to make God look bad. I don't want to get it wrong. You know, what if I mess up when someone asks me a question? I, how in the world do I explain the ascension to an unbeliever? And secondly, I think that sometimes we're, we're just like, man, if you knew where I came from, like I love God, I believe he's changed my life, but I really, I mean, people know about me and I don't know if I'm in a position to talk quite yet. I want to point something out to you. When we see who gathers together in the room, the first name is Peter. Man, I love Peter so much because he messed up all the time. And it makes me feel like, man, if he can do it, maybe I can't do. If there was anybody that felt like they shouldn't be a witness, it was Peter. This guy literally with Jesus, at one point, Jesus is like, calls him Satan. He's like, get behind me, Satan. Can you imagine that, right? Like, he cuts a dude's ear off. He is always talking. He's cussing. He's not doing what he feels like he should be doing. And not even that. In Jesus' darkest, loneliest, most suffering moment of his life, Peter denies him not once, not twice, but three times. If there is anybody 
that shouldn't be talking about the kingdom of God breaking in, it's Pistol Pete. He has no room to be talking about it. But what happens? In the ascension, Jesus is enthroned as king. I don't have to get it right all the time. I don't have to be perfect. Jesus is king, not me. When I'm talking about the gospel, it's not, look at how perfect I am. It's always pointing to Jesus. It's only him. I can't make your life more peaceful. I can't make it more joyful. And I definitely can't make you more righteous. It's only Jesus. And Peter is finally realizing, it's not about me. I might be the first one there, and I might be the first name, but man, it has nothing to do with me. And so the beauty is, with all of his mess-ups, all of his shortcomings, we see in Acts 2, 14, that Peter stood up. I've had it written in my Bible for years. I felt like, man, God, maybe God wants me to say it and bring it up. It's the fact that, man, how many times did Peter stand down? I don't know Jesus. Mm-mm. No, I, I wasn't on his mission with him. I don't, I've never seen the guy. How many times did he mess up? And yet, God never says, that's it, Peter. You had, that's all the chances you got. No. He says, hey, I love you. I want you to be my witness. It's not about pointing to you, Peter. It's about pointing to me. Only I can bring righteousness, peace, and joy into the lives of those of the world. Only I can break my kingdom in. But I want you to be a witness of it. I want you to work with me. Walk with me. Just watch how I do it. Just let me lead. So today, I just want to remind you, because that is the nonstop message, right? Like, we're all called to be witnesses. It doesn't matter whether you're like, man, do, do I go to school for this? Should I be an artist? Should I be a singer? Should I be a mechanic? Should I be a doctor? Uh, honestly, just close your eyes and pick one. Our purpose in life is always to be a witness. It's to talk about the inbreaking kingdom of God and to live into that. So I just want more of Jesus all the time. There's nothing else, right? Like there's nothing else that's going to make righteousness, peace, and joy reign in my life. That is only a mark of Jesus's kingdom. And I want to lean into that. It's because of Jesus and the ascension that we are able to see heaven and earth collide. And one day, man, God is faithful. One day, they're going to reign forever together. And we, as believers, get to live with him forever. Right now, we have a job to do. And there is hurt, hurting broken people living and dying without Jesus. And we can't stop. We have to be witnesses. It's exciting stuff. The ascension is a huge deal. And from now on, I just want to speak about Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension because it's what enables his kingdom in heaven to come on earth. Let me pray with you and for you. God, I just ask that this week you show us opportunities to live into your righteousness, to your peace, to your joy, whether it's a phone call, whether it's running into someone in the office as we get back together, or whatever it is. Let us be a light in a dark world. People need your love. They need your grace. Just use us. Let us be your witness. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, I hope you have a great week. I love you. I hope that you're understanding uh, of the ascension is a little bit stronger, or at least I'm, I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit's going to do something with it. But hope you have a great week. Hope you stay healthy. And uh, we're going to jump to Pastor Chris right now. You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene online at bethanynaz.org.